ready to get inspired. This, this is the Go For The Goldie podcast. Hey there, it's Tuesday, October 26, 2021. And for the first time in the show's history, I'd like to welcome a guest back. Fresh off a personal record at the Spartan Ultra Race in Dallas, Texas last weekend. And here to talk about it, we have Neil Krebs. What's going on, Get man? ready. What is happening? Oops, I had that on the loop by accident. Uh, what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm recovering. <laughs> That's good. You're alive. That's good to see. Cause, um... Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely a little sore, uh, but stretching out, getting recovered, and, bro, just coming down off the emotional high, brother. Yeah, man. I have a lot... A lot of questions to ask you because, I mean, going into it, obviously had a lot of questions, but um, now that I've actually experienced it and know how hard it is and to know what you did, especially on, like, the limited training that you had as well, I just, I am so excited to talk about it. Um, So, first of all, you know, like I said in the intro, you're the first guest that has ever been on the show twice, so... Congratulations there. Yeah, all right. I love it, man. (laughs) No, and I I really like the idea of doing these race recap things because I think a lot of people have so many questions about different aspects of it. So that's why I hope people come in and ask questions live or leave comments in the, uh, uh, or I'm sorry, leave comments on the YouTube video and all that because, um, you know, we'll be monitoring it. And I think. Uh, this community is such a strong one. It's cool to see it growing, and um, I'm really proud to be a part of it now. I mean, you're a big reason that I did this weekend because you look back to the show that we did before, and I didn't I didn't know this weekend existed until you told me about it, and you know here yeah. we are. A was weekend. about three three months ago or so, I think. Yeah, yeah, man, yeah, man. So right off the bat, uh, Callan John Thomas Poole um, has got a question. He says, "What's the Spartan race like?" So. Take it away, Neil. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, I mean, he should he should know a little bit. Um, he actually, so he was at the fire jump of until like seven o'clock, I think. That dude worked a long day and wow. drove several hours. Um, so he's a guy that I met through the Lone Star Spartan Group and have connected on TikTok and that, and so got to meet him in person, which was awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, to answer the question though. So Spartan race is a obstacle course trail race that spans several different distances, starting with a sprint at three miles, a super at six miles, a beast at typically around 13 miles, and then the ultra, which is around 30 plus miles. Now there's a couple of others. They have like the Spartan Agogi, they have the Spartan death race. Uh, they have the 12 hour hurricane heat, and the 24 hour hurricane heat all of which I have not done yet. Uh, I've only made my way to the ultra, uh, but it's basically, it's trail running and some obstacles thrown in. Everything from monkey bars to like the rings that you're having to cross, walls you're climbing over. The one thing I missed that you didn't get to get to experience was a tire flip. There's often a tire flip with these Spartan races oh, too. So yeah, someone uh, at the end was telling me about how I think that was at the end, if I'm not mistaken. It typically is. So a oh. lot of those obstacles that they that have a lot of weight to them, which a guy's tire is 400 pounds, uh, always sponsored by Yokohama. Um, yeah, it would be kind of difficult to haul, you know, 8,000 pounds of tires out into a course. So yeah, they typically put oh it a little bit closer to the finish line. That way, you know, 
they can get it, pick it up, haul it back off. Again. Oh my God. <laughs> well, I mean, piggybacking off of that, uh, Callen's also got some other questions. He goes, what are the best shoes? Now, um, I, I'll answer this question because I come from run specialty. That's uh-huh. what I did for a bit. So to say what are the best shoes, the genre of shoe would be trail shoes for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's what you want. Now, a specific brand, that's not really going to be up to anyone to tell you besides yourself. You should definitely yep. try it out. You know, go to a store, try different ones on. Um, because so you use um, Adidas Terex, so um, awesome. If that works for you. That works for you. You know, it's um, and all trail shoes are what's called are what are called neutral shoes. So the um, the um, ins- or, sorry the insoles are the same thickness throughout. <clears throat> so um, you know, I like to use arches in all my shoes, especially if you're going to be doing a longer run. The longer you run, the more your arch is going to collapse and. You have what's called your navicular bone. It's like your ankle bone um, that start tends to, um, uh, as you lose rigidity in your arch, your navicular bone starts to go in more and more, and that's where you can start to get some uh, issues with uh, Achilles and plantar fasciitis and that kind of stuff too. So I use the. Uh, I'm a part of the On Run crew. Um, I'm an ambassador, so I wore the On Cloud Ventures for the race. Um, I did, or I bought them like three days before because I realized I didn't have trail shoes. So definitely wouldn't suggest doing that. Uh, it worked out. Luckily, I didn't get any blisters or anything. But yeah. um, I like the On Cloud Ventures. Uh, Neil, what what are you what are you rocking? Man, I, like I'm kind of right there with you. Obviously, a trail shoe because you want the grip of you know out there on the terrain. If you're wearing like a street running shoe, it's gonna be a lot more flat, a lot more slick, and as we experienced going out for the ultra, you know, it was, there was still a fresh morning dew on the ground and on the rocks. Um, one of the guys that I was running with, you know, he was about five feet behind me and we ran over several rocks and his foot hit just right where he slipped. He kind of fell a little bit. Luckily he was okay to kind of get back up and going. But one of the things that, like you said, that I always recommend is you got to find a shoe that works for you. Right. Mm-hmm. So I've tried everything from Nike, to Adidas, uh, to Under Armour. And what I've landed on is, and it's a very specific shoe, the New Balance 410s. Uh, they're, they're getting harder to find because you know it's a shoe that New Balance had kind of a few years back. You can still find them in a lot of running stores, but I've found that whether it's even street running or trail running, those New Balance 410s, they do very well with my arches. They do very well with my uh, my pronation, which uh, pronation is it, is it supination, you know, yep. the way your foot kind of leans out or in depending on your gait. Um, because I, when I ran in Nikes at one point, I suffered from plantar fasciitis really bad. Um, anything over three or four miles, my the arches of my foot would just start getting a sharp pain, mm-hmm. and it just didn't it didn't bode well. And so, New Balance four tens are my go to shoe. Um, anything else I haven't experienced enough to be able to give a solid recommendation. The Adidas Terex, again, like, uh, you know, Callan, like uh, Brian said, if that works for you, then that's, that's what you need to use. You know, yep. uh, again, what's comfortable when you start hitting distances like that. That's right. And then the other question he had too, which is, on, and he said, he's just throwing out questions he had at the yeah. start of his OCR life, but you know, Cal, this is exactly, you know, what I want this to be is for someone, you know, I kind of, kind of prop this, this show up as 
a race recap, you know, and I, I want to kind of expose and just have a candid conversation about this kind of stuff because this was my first uh, outdoor Spartan race too. My first one was the Stadion at Cowboy Stadion, and that's where, you know, I, I came across Neil, and <clears throat> I'm going to be doing him a lot more now. I wore the shirt, by the way, you know, just to kind of I know, you know, I, tie it I all together. Time, man. It's still <laughs> a little, little mud on it from wearing it at the venue a bit. <laughs> um, but he also asked, you know, what did you do uh, for conditioning training? So this is a question that I think is really interesting because <clears throat> I think I think the, this realm of, of obstacle course racing it ties so many different aspects of fitness together that I think it's so it's so new that I don't know if there is a perfect way to like train for this. You know, like like for me, you know, for instance, for those who don't know anything about me, I am a pretty hardcore sprint triathlete. So I compete for the amateur Team USA sprint triathlon team, and that's basically what I'm doing 24/7. So. Um, a lot of triathletes, they don't do any type of like lifting or um, any type of like resistance training. It's, uh, it's yeah. pretty typical. Not that they suggested, it's just, you know, you're putting so much time into the triathlon, the sport of triathlon, that not a lot of people are doing that. So I work out at F45. That's my favorite gym that I work out at. So I go there every morning at 6 a.m. I take the, and it's functional training. It's very similar concept to CrossFit. Um, not, it's not as like, not the heavy weights or heavy, it's not as heavy weights as, as CrossFit, but, um, you know, it's still functional training and, um, more for athletic performance. And then after my cross, or I'm sorry, after my F45 training, what I'll do is I will then do my triathlon training. So I'm training like two to three hours a day. So I'm not necessarily training specifically for a Spartan race, but you know, I did pretty well. So I, you know, I'm not going to say that it's the best way to train for it, you know, but at the same time, it got me, you know, finishing pretty well. So um, that's how I trained for it. And that's, you know, that's all I have to say on that. So Neil, how about you? I know you train a lot differently than I do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so, you know, kind of on the flip side of that, I do a, a lot of CrossFit, you know, and it definitely prepares you for what I like to call obstacle immunity, right? Being able to get through an obstacle, whether it's a rope climb, monkey bars, uh, climbing over a wall, you know, there was uh, the, I, don't, I think y'all, had, y'all definitely had it on the beast force, you know, you had kind of the curved back bars that you had to like climb up, like yes. you had to jump up to the first bar yep. and then work your way up. You know, obviously being able to pull up or even kind of do a muscle up or a kipping pull up, you know, to get up, reach that next bar. Those are the kind of things that you are not going to find at like your lifetime fitness, uh, your goals gym. You know, they may have a pull-up bar, but probably not going to have like a bar to do muscle-ups on. Or if you do muscle-ups in there, probably going to get some weird looks, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but honestly, when it comes down to it, the thing that gets people a lot is going to be the running. You know, running is a huge part of the longer distances. A sprint, you know, you can go out, you can kind of jog that three miles. Most people could get out and kind of jog, hike three miles if they wanted to. But if you really want to start getting into like the beast, which is 13-ish miles, you really need to start working on joint mobility, being able to have your joints uh, take the impact of being out on the course for a few hours. Uh, and really that's that was my downfall in the ultra of not being able to do it faster was my run training, you know, which we can kind of get into that here in a little bit. but. Yeah definitely run training is huge 
and then having that obstacle immunity, kind of being able to handle yourself in a tough physical environment. Yeah, I love that idea of obstacle immunity. That's a cool term, man. You should, uh, you should copyright that. <laughs> <laughs> I, we, won't, we won't say if I copied that from somebody else already. <laughs> hey, they didn't copyright it, so it's all yours, man. There you go. <laughs> um, so that, um, <clears throat> that's a good point, too, because... Like I said, going into it, I had never done a beast before. And, you know, I, half, I, I run half marathons on my own all the time. You know, like that's a part of triathlon training. So going into it, my strategy was like the courses or the, the obstacles, like I'm strong enough and like capable of doing most of them, if not all of them. Um, but the running is like, okay, I can make up time here. And so I was going at like a, like a 7.30, 7.15 clip for in between you know all the obstacles and that's where i really made up a lot of the time and i uh you know i and we'll i'll pick your brain a little bit later i actually set this show up i know you can't see the way it's set up right now we're just looking at each other but um on the screen i have the spartan race um like logo in the middle oh yeah but oh oh you see okay cool cool yeah so it's actually my my internet window so um once we start getting into it a little bit um i'll show you like I have the map pulled up, you know, and um, I figured we could talk about some of the obstacles too. So um, for sure, yeah, dude. yeah. So that's how I have it set up right now. But uh, we'll get into Absolutely. that in a second. But <clears throat> yeah, that's so. One of the things, you know, I, I see Iza was saying arm strength, shoulder strength. My fear uh, is the climbing and monkey bars, and and it is. You know, there's a lot of people out there that have a hard time because uh, in life in general, right? You think about as adults it's very rare that we climb something yeah right as kids man we climbed everything that's why you'll see kids scale trees and scale jungle gyms and that all the time uh they build that upper body strength but there comes a point as we grow up that it kind of becomes socially abnormal to climb things um and so for me uh, i don't want to say i never lost that there probably was a time where i didn't climb things but I've always enjoyed that challenge, right? I've always enjoyed being able to scale something, right? Or get over something. And so uh, definitely training that grip strength and kind of being able to hold yourself up, you know, but for anybody that's, that's worried about something like that, you can definitely train for it. It's not hard, right? You go grab you a a $10 door jam pull-up bar on Amazon and you don't have to start with like, oh, okay, well I need to be able to do, you know, five pull-ups on the first day you know just dead hang well there's and there's a lot of research that shows that i've i've looked into this about um just it's like the hang the 30-day hang challenge where it's like you Mm -hmm. know hang for 10 seconds day one you know 12 seconds day two and you just kind of increase until you get to the point where you can hang for two or three minutes you know and that because if you think about like when we when we work our shoulders you know, like if you think about like traditional shoulder exercises, you're going to be doing like a shoulder press. You're going to be doing like lateral raises and, you know, stuff like that, you know, upright rows. Well, that's all pressure pulling you down. We don't really ever think about like the exact opposite of that where you're um, suspended. You know what I mean? Where you're working with gravity instead of, you know, the pressure coming down on you. And yeah. um, that that can really strengthen your shoulders. And um, there's, I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. There's that race requires a lot. The obstacles require a lot of upper body strength, where you are holding yourself up. You know, for example, that uh, what's what's the name of that obstacle you were just talking about? 
Oh shoot, you would ask me. I think it's called Bender. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll get into that, but yeah, that's it's there's a lot of those where and yeah. there's a lot of where you're, you know, coming up to a wall and having to pull yourself up and get over it and um yeah, that's definitely something that um it's definitely something that's really uh should be a focus if you are going to be training for one of these things because there's for sure. there's a lot of that. And then uh Isa, is it Isa? I don't know if I'm saying Isa. Isa. I didn't mean to ignore your comment earlier, but yeah, 45 is crazy and fun, and uh, it definitely changed my life quite a bit. I love that. Um, yeah. So she's a she's located up there in Frisco as well. So. Oh, um, is she the one who works for the company that uh, you were telling me about? Owns the company. Owns the company. Yeah. My bad. I didn't mean to go busting <laughs> rank on him. My bad. <laughs> yeah. So if you if you know any businesses that need some solid social media work. Um, good stuff, right? That's I mean, awesome. They knock out of the park. So, well, it's nice to meet you, Isa. Very nice to meet you, or Isa. I'm sorry, I'm an idiot. Um, <laughs> all right, Callen's out of here. He's going to the gym. Thanks for hanging out. Really appreciate it. Thanks for your uh, your feedback there. Um, but yeah, so um, I mean, let's talk, dude. You said a PR. Uh, how about that? Uh, you didn't expect that, right? No. In fact, <laughs> going in. Um, you know, my goal was just under 10 hours, uh, 31 and a half miles, 60 obstacles. And, um, and I'll explain a little bit of this in a minute, but almost zero run training going in. Um, you know, I was just like, man, I just, I just want to get out there. 10 hours is about 20, 19, 20 minutes a mile. So I figure I can walk like I put three and a half on the treadmill. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's about 17 and a half minute mile. And so I figure if I can just kind of get a good clip walking the whole thing, I should be able to stay under 20 minutes a mile, you know, with obstacles in that. But after we went out the gate, like I, you know, I, I jogged, I felt good. And so I tried to maintain a, a really good pace. My goal was to finish the first 17 mile lap in around four and a half hours. Cause I figured the second lap would be a lot slower. And so uh, my dad, who typically kind of takes me to these things, he's kind of my, uh, my medic, my, you know, get me, get, get me if I need to gotten off the course or whatever. Um, you know, I told him, I said, Hey, like we're going out at six 30. Uh, I'm planning on coming through at around probably 11 ish. So he kind of waited near the transition zone. And sure enough, it was just after 10 o'clock. Um, I ended up coming into the transition zone. He wouldn't, he was like, Oh my gosh, like he, he's already here. Uh, and at that point I realized I was like, man, I've got to, I've got a solid shot at finishing this thing in a decent time. And so getting back out on the course, uh, my right knee was shot, you know, it was starting to lock up on me, but what I did going out the second lap was just, okay, you know what? I'm going to jog for a minute, right? Just for a minute. I'm just going to kind of keep a jog going. Uh, and then I'll walk for a few minutes and then I'll jog. And that, that jogging minute kept getting shorter and shorter and shorter until in the last few miles, I hit a point where I said, okay, I need to jog now. And I took about two steps and I about collapsed. So at that point it was like, okay, jogging's not in the cards anymore. Let's just keep a good mm -hmm. power hike going and let's finish this thing. Dude, I know what you're talking about too, because like before, before we did the race, you know, when we did that the Instagram live, A, you were talking about doing it in 10 hours. And then when I saw your time, I was like, okie dokie, he crushed it. <laughs> and uh, B, I mean, when you were talking about a previous race, a previous ultra that you did when you were like, you know, I was on the verge of collapse. Um, you know, sometimes as athletes, we tend to speak in hyperbole or, you know, tend to exaggerate a little bit, but dude, 
I'm not exaggerating. I was on the verge of collapse. Like I was running like my because you know I as a triathlete I'm not running trails. I'm running streets. I'm running treadmills for speed training. Like my calves just weren't working. So I was running like a tin soldier for like the last like half miles. But um, Isa yeah. asked, um, you know, she said, uh, "What do y'all eat before and during?" So I'll answer that question. So I I'll go first because I'm I'm atypical and this isn't something. How do I say this? I know my body, right? Like I I, I know I, that seems like an obvious statement, right? But like we all have to know, you know, what triggers us, you know, what's good, what's bad, what do we agree with, all that kind of stuff, and. I really don't eat that much on the day of a race, and I don't eat anything during it. Now, I wouldn't advise that. That's not the right way to do it. Um, But on the flip side of that, I have tried to eat. I have tried to do the quote-unquote right thing, and I just, I I have issues, you know? I, um... So like the day of the race at our hotel at, uh, we we stayed in uh, Granbury, they had some like, you know, some eggs. So I had eggs and a bagel and that's what I had. Eggs, a bagel and a banana before I went out. Um, Just, you know, to get some light carbs in and, uh, you know, some protein obviously from the eggs. And then um, out there, I just made sure to drink at every water station and uh, I hit up that pickle juice. But I don't know why they had it like at mile 13. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was sad. But the last lap, uh, I can't tell you how many beast participants that were running just the one lap 13 mile. um, You know, they see the purple vest. And so they know, like, you've been around this course once already. What should we expect? Like, what's coming up? And so I had so many people ask. They were like, do they have any pickle pickle juice stations out here? And I, yeah, they do. When's it coming up? Right before the finish line. Yeah. I was like, what the hell? Yeah. So it was a little too late, but you know, um, yeah. So it was, uh, you know, it is what it is, but yeah. So that's, that's my nutrition. Obviously not the best. I mean, I I believe the standard rule of thumb is like, if you're, if you're doing endurance type stuff, like every 45 minutes is what I've been led to understand in terms of like a gel or some kind of like simple Mm -hmm. carbohydrate to keep you going. Yeah. Um, but, um, and Isa, she, you know, she says she's a long distance runner, so she gets it. But for me, I, I mean, even like a marathon, like I don't, I don't really take nutrition in at all. And obviously I should, right. but, um, I just know I can and, handle it. I know I can push it and I haven't had any issues so far. So, yeah. yeah. And, and again, like, kind of like the shoe question, it's, it's very personalized, right? Yeah. You know, for me, uh, I've got some autoimmune issues and so, I have to be very careful about what I consume leading into the race, uh, the week before, the day before, especially in the day of. And so for me leading into the race, you know, I try to eat cleaner, but I'm eating a ton of carbs yeah. because I know that the day before the race and the day of the race, I'm, there's absolutely no way that you can eat you know, to counteract the carbs that you're expending during the And you're not going to get the benefit either if you're eating the day of, you know what I mean? Like if you're, if you're trying to carb load the day of the race, like that's just, that's not, Not that's not the way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, so leading into it, like I ate fairly clean the night before, typically about 12 hours before the race, I'll try and eat kind of a light bowl of pasta. Um, that's just quick to digest. Like I know it's going to be digested by the time I'm getting ready to get out on the course. Uh, but it's a ton of carbs. And so that's like my typical pre-race dinner 
is just a nice, good sized bowl of pasta, something that I can get digested. And then I, I try not to eat anything until I'm done with the race. Uh, simply because if I do, then the body's trying to digest that. That's when you start getting the cramp, the side cramps and things like that. When your body's trying to digest while you're moving, because there's not enough energy to digest and keep you fueled. Right. 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 And so um, what I did for the course is there's a supplement called Tailwind mm -hmm. that I, in the past I've used, I know it's easy on my gut. Tailwind was specifically designed to be an endurance athletes and nutrition on the mm -hmm. course and not be a gut bomb. Uh, the owner of the company, the founder of the company tells his story where he basically said like, I was running marathons and stuff and I drank this and then I just like, like everywhere. And so he wanted to develop a product that allowed him to fuel on course and not have a gut bomb, right? Right. right. So, what I do is I go to Walgreens or Walmart or wherever you know that they carry pharmacy products, and you can buy like the pill bags. You know, they're really tiny little bags, and I take Tailwind and I put about half a scoop in those bags, and then I have a fanny pack that I'll put those bags in, and when I get to a water station, I pull one out, I dump it in the cup. And I'll put my cup about, you know, a foot to 18 inches below the spout and just and let that, that flow of the water kind of mix it up. Doesn't do the best job. It's still a little gritty, but I'll shoot that down. In every scoop of Tailwind, there's 100 calories and 40 milligrams of caffeine. So you've got a little bit of your fuel. You've got a little bit of energy in there. And so every baggie was about, you know, 50 calories and 20 milligrams. Uh, but every water station, which there was nine or 10 on the course, uh, that were spaced out about 30 to 45 minutes, depending on you know the distance between each one, and that was my main fuel. That's interesting. That's interesting. Wow, I liked it. That's good advice. Maybe uh, maybe I do something like that next time. You know, like I definitely you know could. That's definitely a part of my my racing that could could mm -hmm. definitely get better. But you know, it's an all learning experience, right? Like that's that's the point oh, of this, sure. right? So I figured now let's uh, let's get into the race here, man. So I was gonna add. So you know, like I, I wanted to make this like a recap as as well as you know, kind of like informational for some people for people that maybe sure, have man. never done a Spartan before. So um, what's what I really like, you know, I, I guess I'll explain why I got into this. You know, I I am a former uh, professional indoor football player, and when I got towards the end of my 20s, I was just like, you know, this is like a brutal assault on my body, can't be doing this anymore. Um, so I'll just get into something else that's a brutal assault on my body. <laughs> I am, <laughs> I, uh, I'm competitive, you know, and I, I'm not saying I'm, you know, the best athlete in the world, but I just like to compete. I have that in me, and I like to, you know, exercise that, however it may be. So that's how I got, got into triathlon, and um, you know, Spartan races just became really attractive to me. So what I really like about Spartan races, as opposed to maybe some of the other ones, is if you look this up, you get an account, right? On um, It's like a centralized, through Spartan, um, all of your, your data and um, your information. So if you go to, like, the events tab here, uh, I'm sorry, results tab, um, oh. you'll see it'll, it'll show you I've done two races. A uh, total of 50 obstacles, 26K in just under three hours. And then you can look at the different races here. So this is the Stadion that I did. Um, that was Stadion, like uh, Neil was explaining earlier. There's different types of races. Um, so the Stadion happens in an actual stadium, and that was really cool. Uh, we ran up and down, you know, the aisles of, um, of the stands. You run through the locker room, and it ends in the field. So it's and also all throughout the bowels of the stadium, too. So it's really yeah. cool. But 
that's not what we're focused on here. We're focused on the last race. So this was my results um, from the uh, the Beast on Saturday. So it shows you your time. So two hours, 14 minutes, 49 seconds. And this is, like I said, what I like about, like, the Spartan races in particular is that it's a competition. You know, there are some other ones out there where – you just kind of do it to do it, you know, and there's obviously that's just completing one of these or anything like this is an accomplishment, you know, but yeah. I just like that extra little bit of, you know, looking at the guy next to you, like, I want to beat him, you know, so uh, this is from the race. Like I said, I came in 22nd out of 501, 22nd in my age group out of 405, and then 6th out of 85 in my age group. So not too bad, but this is the map. So before the race comes out, they, sh they give you a map, and uh, Neil had actually sent me this. So this is what it looks like. So we started right here, and we, um, so me and Neil would do the same course up until, and he started much earlier than I. He started, what time, 6.15, right? 6.30. It was a little late, but it was supposed to be a 6.30 wave. Yeah. yeah, so mine started at 8.15, and also mine was a little late too, like probably 8.20, something like that, but neither here nor there. Um, but, you know, we both started out the same way. And then if you look at the ultra course, they did all this extra stuff over here. So yeah. I did not do lap. that. Just the first lap. But either way, I did not do any of that. <laughs> um, and, but then we start the same course again over here at 8. And then, you know, the rest is history. Um, what I really like, too, is if you scroll down here, um, you can look at the obstacles that you complete. So it's, you know, obviously it's, it's, it's a self kind of, you fill this out, but I like keeping yep. track. So I completed, do you fill this out on the website? Do you do this at all now? You know, uh, I track everything on there. I don't input a whole lot. So I do the, I, I like putting the obstacles in there just to keep track. Um, mm -hmm. So I did, I did 27 of the 32. And I thought this might be kind of cool to show people. Um, For sure, I know. Like, I I haven't really looked at it yet. Now that you're pulling it up, I've, you got me curious. I got to go back and. Yeah, so I mean, you have to put if you did it or not. Um, like they don't obviously keep track, but like like for this one, the spear throw, I failed mm -hmm. at that one. Oh. Uh, I'm 0 for two on that damn thing. <laughs> you know, I. Uh, you did it. I'm 0 for 2, but it's literally two attempts I've ever done on it. I was kind of like, I was disappointed because when we got there, I saw the warm-up thing, but it wasn't like open yet. So it was like, I couldn't practice it. I was like, damn it, you know? Yeah. Um, so failed on that one. Um, the multi-rig. Let's pull up the multi-rig because I want to show people what this looks like. And I oh, need, yeah. I want your help here. Yeah, man. Well, and two, as you're pulling that up, the thing to know, uh, the reason they call it the multi-rig is because it's probably going to look different every single time. Um, in fact, one of the new things that they had here, if we can find you know an actual photo of it, is uh, the bar. Two, what's that? The bar was what got me. Let's see. So the bar is is kind of a standard thing that okay. kind of sloped up deal. Um, at the very end though, they had the two kind of chuck ropes, if you will. Okay. Uh, oh yeah, were, yeah, yeah. I didn't get to that point, so yeah, I didn't notice those. Those are kind of <laughs> new, uh, and again that's where that grip strength comes in, you know, because yeah. obviously if you're holding onto a ring or something like that, like you can kind of wrench the hand down and it's just the pressure up kind of holding you in. But when you're holding onto a vertical obstacle, you know, you've got to have that grip strength to keep your hand from sliding down. Yeah. And I didn't even get that far. So on the screen right now, so this is where I had an issue with, I got the rings, right. And I got to this point where this girl is right here. 
The one that I was in, or the one that was at our race on Saturday, the bar seemed a lot higher. So I literally like couldn't physically reach up to the bar. I tried three times swinging back and forth, but I would have had to like launch myself. And I'm like, you know what? I just let go. But um, oh. like it wasn't that level. Do you see? Do you see what I'm talking about right there? Like yep. I. Yeah. 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 So. so- so that's one, there's, there's two different techniques, right? So if somebody's watching this and they're like, how do I, how do I get this, right? Like, how do I conquer this obstacle? Um, you know, what you're watching there where the girl's kind of going across it, you know, that's one way. So for me, I don't necessarily quite have the full upper body strength to sit there and like hold myself up and go across. Mm-hmm. You watch some of these guys, like that's what they do. They just stay kind of that bicep flex, stay high. Keep like 90 and degrees across. and just kind of, yeah. yeah. Uh, for me, I'm a lot more uh, gymnast than I am strength. And so what my typical strategy is, is I'll grab that first ring and I'll use that first ring to kind of reach out and grab the second ring, kind of pull it into myself and I'll just launch, right? I'll get as far as I can and I'll grab that bar. Now, what a lot of people do is they'll grab that bar, let go of the ring to try and reach over. That bar has some move to it. And so if you let go and you think, okay, well, the bar's not moving, it's gonna come towards you, which is gonna give you more of a drop and run the risk of slipping off mm. before you can reach with the other hand. Gotcha. So typically, again, I'll maintain two points of contact until I've got a good swing, go grab the bar. And then once I've got the bar, I let it kind of bring the tension out and then I'll reach and grab. And then you're going with it. Gotcha. Yeah. I'll let I'll let that swing of the bar help give me that momentum um, to get to the other side of it. Now, again, it's it's all about just trying to maintain body position, kind of the swing in that. A lot of people are like, "Ooh, that sounds intimidating." You kind of start to feel it. It's like mm-hmm. riding a bike. The mm-hmm. first few times, it's like ah, that didn't work, right? next few times you start realizing okay well if my body swings like this then i can get it right a lot of momentum it's 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 getting in the exactly. groove it's a rhythm you know and it's exactly. you watch and you can tell right off the bat when you get a lot of get to a lot of these obstacles you can tell the people that know what they're doing and then the dopes like me who are just out there flying <laughs> over the place you know <laughs> so the uh the rope climb i screwed that up and i was really pissed because i am not i don't know how to climb a rope so I don't use my feet. So I literally just pull myself up and yeah. I got to the top. And if I wasn't so high up, I would have jumped off and been able to hit the bell. But like, you can't just like launch yourself from the top of that thing, you know? So I held on, I went to reach for it. I must've missed it by like that much. I'm not exaggerating. Uh, and yeah. I was like, damn it. Cause it was 30 burpees if you missed it. So yeah. the guy was like, you want to try it again? I'm like, absolutely not. My lads are just trying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And if there's any CrossFit fans out there, you know, if you watch the CrossFit games a couple of years ago, you know, Rich Froning, um, big time CrossFit athlete dropped from the top of the rope. And if you're a CrossFit fan, you know, it did not end well for him. And so, yeah, I mean, that was smart to not just jump and drop. Right? What happened? It's crazy. Uh, either either broke or like severely sprained his ankle. Um, I mean, jacked up his foot really bad. Yeah, you're high. I mean, you're high when you're up there. I wonder if I can. Yeah. This. And so, you know, again, learning to J hook or S hook a rope uh, is crucial. In fact, uh, I think I've got uh, a, either a TikTok or an Instagram reel. You know, if people want to go check out my Instagram, uh, Neil K underscore OCR, 
you know, you'll see. It'll be in the like, notes walk, too. It'll be in the notes. I walk through like, you know, how to practice a rope climb. Cause you're like, I don't know how to practice a rope climb. You literally, if you just get like a chair, sit on the chair, rope in front of you, you can even hang it from your hands and practice using your feet on how to J hook a rope. There's plenty of YouTube videos out there, or you can check out the reel that I did. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. And once you, once you J hook that rope, you know, again, if you see it on, on Instagram, the way that I do it, I can literally J hook it, stand up and just not even hold the rope. Just use my arms to kind of hold myself against the rope. Wow. And stand on the rope. See, that's, I got to learn how to do that. Cause if you look at this, look how high you get, you know, you don't want to yeah. be, you don't want to be jumping from up there. So you can see no. all these guys are doing it right. You know, they got their feet on the rope, you know, so that's, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to check that out. I'll tell you, for anyone listening to this, definitely check out Neil's TikTok videos because they're crazy. I mean, they're inspirational. He's got some funny, a lot of funny stuff in there. A lot of really cool educational stuff too. So shoot him a follow on TikTok and it'll be in the show notes afterward in the comments. You can check it out, click it, and uh, make sure you go follow him because I've learned a lot from from listening. Appreciate that, man. Yeah, for sure. All right, so yeah, so there's, there's the rope climb. I got to about an inch from that damn bell and then missed it so <laughs> 30 burpees for me all right yep. so then let's see what else we got here we did oh my god this freaking thing are you good at this one the olympus do you know how to do that one? Oh my god so olympus is one of those ones you just got you got to move fast um and maintain grip you know the olympus has changed a little bit too so there's a lot of people who are used to the plywood walls on Olympus and the plywood walls, you had a lot more traction on the shoe, right? So people would put their feet up and then hold on and just scoot along, right? Okay. Now they've got some kind of weird plastic that they're using that's a lot more slick and it's hard to get traction with the shoe. And so the best way to do it is if you've got some, you know, some knee sleeves or some some compression leggings or you don't mind bruising up your knees a little bit, keep the knees high and the holes are my strategy. So there's chains, there's rock climbing holds, and then there's an actual like little three inch hole that you can put your hand in and hold. I got the, the video playing right one, now. <laughs> yeah, the rules on that one are you can't touch the top and you can't use your feet on any of the, the holds, right? So yeah, I think the one you have pulled up, that's back when it was still uh, the plywood. And so again, like the guy's doing with his foot, putting it up there, that was a good way to do it. That's how I used to do it until they switched the material. Now that foot slips too easy. So the best thing to do Make sure, train some abs, get ready to hold your legs up, you know, tight and move fast. What happens is people get stuck in the middle. They start to cramp in their biceps and their forearms. And once a cramp sets in, you're not finishing that obstacle. I'm telling you, man, that was like, I came across it and I'm like, I have no idea how to even like attempt to see this one. This picture looks like it's the new one. That one doesn't look like it's the plywood. But neither here nor there. It's a crazy obstacle. It is insane. Yeah. And it's, yeah. Hey, but, but take it with a grain of salt because, again, there's so many people, even people who have done multiple Spartan races, that it's hard. Like, they have a hard time completing it. Um, you know, when I rolled up on the second lap, the burpee zone was full because there's just so many people that struggle with it. That's another one of those upper body, you know, core, keeping the core tight. And then just having the the agility and the accuracy, you know, if you're reaching for something to be able to get your hand in that hole and catch yourself before you slip down or your feet touch the ground. Yeah, that was an insane one, man. I, I that one I like had literally no idea how to do it. So I just it was funny too because the guy goes, um, 
the guy behind me, when I got in line for it, I go, how the hell do you do this? And he goes, he goes, dude, listen, man, I've seen YouTubers do this. You can do it. I go, all right. I'm like, that makes me feel good. I literally grabbed the first thing and fell and just went, okie dokie. <laughs> so, <laughs> very well, hey, at least, at least you did it right. So literally second lap, I roll up. And as we're coming up to it, like there's a guy that's standing on the rock holds and like holding on to the top of the whole wall and just like walking across it. Yeah, that's. And I was like, you gotta like what's, obviously what's know that that's doing? not. Yeah, that that's not. You know, <laughs> but but again, and that's that's partially on. So, props to Spartan Race for getting it done. But I know they they were short a ton of volunteers. They had a lot of people last minute. So some of the volunteers didn't fully understand that they needed to explain the rules of the obstacle, which granted you know when that happens you're going to have people that don't complete it correctly mm -hmm. um but at the same time man there are people who are out there to have fun so i'm not going to be the guy that's like hey you didn't you didn't do that right you go back right and right right, right. Again. i mean I'll, I'll tell them but at the same time like i'm not there to spoil somebody's day so also the idea that you were just like yeah the second time around i'm like what <laughs> <laughs> Um, these guys, I follow OCR Kings. If you are interested in the world of like obstacle course racing, these guys do a great job. They put a lot of GoPros on their heads and do their courses and they make it seem like this is nothing. So, um, props <laughs> to them, but this is, um, so this is their video here. Um, but this is, um, what is the, um, the hell is this called? Um, the... Beater. Beater, the beater. So this is pretty oh. brutal. Um, so it's basically monkey bars, except in the middle, you have a rotational monkey bar system here. So, yep. you know, whatever you grab, obviously it's just gonna you know swing to the bottom. So mm -hmm. that one is very, very difficult. Uh, this is the last one that I failed. Tips and tricks on this one, Neil, you good at this one? Yep, so this is, this is one of those ones too, where it's all about maintaining kind of body swing and momentum but it's okay to kind of stop as long as you got the, the body strength to the upper body strength to kind of maintain so best thing to do is get out to uh to the bar right before you're rotating bars right and so again kind of anytime i'm doing monkey bars or a bar deal i'm typically going side to side so if you imagine the bars are running this way i'm mm -hmm. holding here and i'm reaching and going and reaching and going and that's really the easiest way to get across them hmm. beater is no exception so you get to the end to where you can reach the rotating bar uh and you grab it and you pull you kind of get it to where it's pulled back towards you a little bit and then you swing back let go grab the bar and swing and reach for the next one again maintain that position pull back swing to the next one interesting right? okay yeah see i was Again, for me, I uh, and I don't know if it's like if if like heights the issue here or what, but um, I basically when I got I got like across three of them, and then the issue that I had was when I got to the rotational ones, it was too high, and it was like in a position where it was like in between, and I just couldn't reach it, and I literally like I launched myself and I got my fingers on it, but then it moved and I fell, so. Yeah. yeah, that was uh, that was the that was the other one I couldn't do. So let me yeah. ask you, I um, of you did so this, the ultra sixty obstacles, right? Uh, how many of those did you complete? Did you get all of them done? That's ridiculous. That's that's, that's that's ridiculous. So that means you hit the spear twice, right? Because you do two laps. Correct. Wow. So are there any that like 
any that gave you trouble that you were like at any point where you were in the middle of it you're like ah, i don't think i can do this one so so there was only one hesitation on an obstacle that was the monkey bars at the end um you know again monkey bars are strong suit of mine and i'm the type of guy when a camera is on me i like to go big mm -hmm. right and so I got to those monkey bars. Uh, my dad had walked down to the obstacle, so which you know he was trying to get some footage for me and stuff. So he starts recording, and I'm like, you know, cool, let's go. And so I jump out, and on monkey bars, I've learned to do the whole like orangutan swing. That's what thing. I did. Yeah, yeah. And so you know, I started my orangutan swing, and as I went and grabbed one, I knew like in that moment. I didn't have the momentum to swing to the next one and my grip wasn't very good. So I had to kind of stop my swing and grab that one bar and then just kind of one bar it, right? And so that was the one, I think it was just, it was fatigue setting in. It was, um, you know, kind of showboating a little bit, if you will. Well, also for those who were like, just, you know, to paint the picture that, you know, for those who don't know, the monkey bars was the second to last obstacle of the day. And this is mile 30 for Neil. So this isn't like, you know, like early on in the race. This is like complete full exhaustion. Like I, for me, I mean, I, I would, it's, it's funny that you say like you phrased it the way that you did with like, if the camera's on it, you want to go big because um, that was like the first kind of opportunity where spectators could actually see you coming in. Yes. You know, they saw you do the monkey bars and then that, I don't know what the hell that thing's called with like the X's, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's that's a slightly newer one. I forget the name of it. Yeah, so you, you so you did the monkey bars, that, and then the big A frame, and then you, you know the fire, and you're done. But that the monkey bars were like the first opportunity for you know the spectators to kind of see you come in, you know, for the final run. And mm -hmm. it's funny because I was exhausted and obviously, but like nowhere near as exhausted as you because I did literally half of, not even half of what you did. Um, but I did, I thought the same thing. I saw my buddy with the GoPro and I'm like, it's just like in football, the camera doesn't lie, film doesn't lie. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm like, I could have done the first, you know, 26, 27 obstacles, 28, you know, perfectly. But this is the one that people are gonna see. So I cannot screw this up. and. Yeah. I don't know where the hell I mustered the curve because like my calves were literally boulders and mm -hmm. it's, it's odd, but like my calves were so painful when I was doing the swings. Cause I was just like putting every ounce I had of energy mm -hmm. into like that orangutan swing, you know? Yep. And, um, you can see in my face at the end, I literally just like yep. the bell <laughs> you know? and then I yep. landed and I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. But I can't imagine like the condition or like the state of mind that you were in, like to, in that moment that you described too, where you were kind of like losing your grip and then you grabbed it, you know, with your second hand when you kind of abandoned the orangutan and went for, you know, the, the, the yep. one by one. Um, I bet that moment must have felt like an eternity in your head, you know, like when you made that decision to like do that. Yeah. But you know, I had to, again. I'm, I'm a showboater, so I had to save it. So literally, like I, I got the last two bars and then swung, and I hit two bells. <laughs> so I saw that, and I also saw the flip on the A-frame too. <laughs> yes, yeah. That's that's one of those ones where you know I saw a few elite racers do it, and uh, several races back, I was like, I think I can do that. 
And uh, it's a lot easier because you're not having to like crawl over and yeah. do all of that. And you're halfway down once you flip. So it's literally get waist high, reach over and grab and just roll, right? Uh, the net will catch you, just maintain a grip, you know, and then scoot down and go. And so, and again, like crossing the finish line, it's this rush of adrenaline. It's like, I'm done. Like it's right there. Yeah. Right. Um, and so cameras on finish line photos. So <laughs> a little jump spin move. Um, everyone's like, you look so good at the end. I did not feel it. <laughs> I can't wait to see the photos we can do. We'll do a, uh, kind of like a, you know, a TikTok duet. We'll do a side by side photo of our finish line picks because I couldn't even muster up enough strength to pretend to be happy at that point. Like my photo, I, I probably like, I don't even remember jumping over the fire. I like blacked out. And I, it, it must just meet me like just, I'm happy. Like, I don't know if it was this way for you, but for me, the fire really wasn't like blaring. And yeah, uh, I'm so kind of happy because I don't know if I would have made it over. <laughs> yeah. Well, and supposedly, uh, so I talked to Callan a little bit. He said there was one guy that tripped and actually fell kind of through the fire. Uh, luckily, he was fine. I, should, I shouldn't laugh at that, but I mean, the vision of like that happening, I mean, aesthetically, yeah. come on. That's... <laughs> if, uh, if you see the elite racers come through, like they kind of know when they're about 10 or 15 minutes out from the elite racers coming through. And so they they really get that fire going because it's fresh wood, they pour, you know, yeah. uh, the fluid on, it. on yeah. it, for lack of a better word. Um, and then, I mean, it's big, right? Obviously, it burns down throughout the day, and you've got people who are a little less athletic than the elite racers, so they don't want it to be huge to where people are struggling to get over it. Right. Uh, obviously, the goal is not to, you know, make it to where oh, you do it or you're going to get burned. You know? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's, it's more of just like a hey, this is kind of a cool thing to finish the race. Yeah, you yeah. Know, jump about two feet in the air, two foot across, and you're golden. So I know the um, this was the last race in your you know season here. Um, do you have like when you start planning for these things? Like how how in, far in advance do you do you? Because like registration is open for the for the uh, stadium already, and it has yeah. been. You know, like how often or how early do you plan your race season? So, I always plan to hit as many as I can. Right. Um, obviously, these races are not cheap, mm -hmm. and so um, when it when when I start planning to be at a race is when the money's in the bank account, right? And I'm buying the ticket. Um, you know, I always make sure to try and kind of stay ready for a race, um, you know, because if there was ever a last minute, like, hey, you can have my ticket, like go run. Um, obviously, I don't ever want to pass up an opportunity like right. that. And so, but I'm already looking at like, what are the races look like next year? You know, when are they? When did I need to have them on the calendar? I'll go ahead and block them off, you know, just in case it's like, hey, if I can score a ticket, uh, or afford a ticket, I'm going to be there. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm already looking at races for next year. Have you ever done a national championship? I have not. Uh, so I've never, I've never done a race outside of Texas. Uh, that's on the bucket list. You know, we I should do it. Several... We should do it. Oh, absolutely, man. Uh, I met several people. There was a, you know, a Beth and Vinny Romano from up in Rhode Island who were four time trifecta finishers were running their first ultra on that Saturday. Uh, we're talking about some of the courses that they had run and man like i just can't imagine the beauty like montana could you imagine running a, a oh, nice that'd be so sweet in montana seeing those rocky yeah. mountain views right yeah that's like so that's that's one of the reasons i fell in love with triathlon but now that i'm seeing like this world kind of open up and the opportunity that you know can lie before me you know it, it's 
I love the idea of like I proposed to my wife in Switzerland at the triathlon world championships. You know, we've been yeah. to Rotterdam, we've been to Lausanne, Switzerland, we've been to um, we've been to you know Milwaukee, we've been to Chicago, we've been to Omaha, like a lot of places that like I know people aren't like wow Omaha, Nebraska. I really need to get there, you know. But like you see the country in places that like you normally wouldn't go, you know, to to go race. You know, like I wouldn't particularly be you know, thrilled to go to Milwaukee, but like I did a national championship there, you know? So, um, that's the kind of stuff that I really like about these races too, is they give you an opportunity and a reason to go to places that you maybe never would like Montana. I mean, I, I'm not an outdoorsy guy, you know, I, I really wouldn't ever see myself planning a week's vacation to go to just Montana right. for the hell of it. But like a Spartan race, hell yeah. Like I'm all in for that. So for sure, dude. what, um, to, to qualify for a national championship, what do you have to do? Do you know? You know, I wish I could say um, that's one. I haven't really dove too deep into the elite realm uh, of Spartan. Right? I know, I, I know several of the elite racers. I just, I know that I'm not at that level, uh, and so I kind of focus my attention on just trying to recruit people to the race, kind of like you know what I did with you. Nailed it. <laughs> uh, just to get out there and have fun, right? Yeah. Because I don't, you know, it's the same, it's kind of similar to CrossFit, right? Like CrossFit gets this reputation in the past of being this competitive workout series where it's like, unless you're super fit, you don't belong in a CrossFit gym. Yeah. That's not the case, right? Yeah, yeah. The same thing with OCR, right? There is a complete competitive world. Uh, in fact, like in 2018, Joe DeSena, the CEO, owner of Spartan Race, put up, I think like a million dollars to where if you won like all three championships, like the, the pot was a million dollar pot. Wow. And so, yeah. So there's money to be made in this sport, right? Yeah. But at the same time, there's a lot of fun to be had in this sport too. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously if you're going to get to a national championship, you've got to win some elite races. Right. And in order to get into an elite race, you got to win some age groups. And in order to get into age groups, you got to be making sure that your times are fast enough, you right. know, if you're running open waves or things. So um, training, 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 and winning, that's how you get there if you want to go that route see that's right. like that jacks me up man like i i i really love that competitive like i mentioned earlier you know i love that competitive aspect to this and that's what really like attracted me but to me competitiveness competitiveness is fun you know i i i really enjoy it i'm doing a um, have you ever heard of high rocks the high rocks competition so I'm doing that November 20th here in Dallas. Um, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, hey, if uh, – wait, you're here the 19th. Oh, crap. <laughs> oh. I mean, I'm just going to say put it out there. I'm just going to put it out there. So – Let's uh let's put a pin in that one. Let me see what I can do. Hey, I got a ten percent off code too, so let's get it, baby. Um, uh, man, okay. that would be pretty cool if that happened. Um, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll stay in touch about that. that. Yeah, it's it's here in Dallas, and um, I convinced my buddy Danny to do it too. So Danny's the one. He played professional baseball. He got drafted by the Diamondbacks, and he um he's he's been on the show too, and he was like obsessed with f45 and he's the one who like got me into it and he's like you got to come to like um he's like i i gotta go i gotta get you to one of these workouts and i'm like yeah, yeah man like for sure i'd love to do that and uh you know just to kind of like appease him right because i'm like f45 is kind of like you know not my thing you know and then uh i went to the op outdoor one they did and i won a month for free and in that month for free they did um the murph challenge 
you know, so like I was like, oh, they do this kind of stuff too, and then you know, from there I was hooked. So me and him are going to be doing it at uh, in November, and um, nice. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm really excited. So it would be freaking awesome if you could, man, because me, you know. Let me see if I can swing it. All right, let's do it, man. Well, hey, I'll tell you what, we are at about just an hour here, so might be a good time to wrap it up. What do you think? I I think that sounds like a plan, brother. I've got a I've got a softball, two softball games I'm playing tonight. So damn, let's see if I can shake the dust off the knees and and get out there and actually do something. The grind don't stop with you. We'll tell you. Let's let's just kind of let's just go over one last thing here, real quick. You know, for anyone who is interested in this world, right, and mm-hmm. um, interested in participating in a Spartan race, what advice would you give them? Sign up. Don't hesitate. Put it on the calendar. Because again, once it's on the calendar, you know you're going, right? So, and it'll be the motivation that you need to kind of start training and getting after it. And even if you don't feel like you're in the shape that you need to be in to get out there, I guarantee you there's somebody else in the exact same boat running in the exact same wave as you that would love to run with you and just be like mutual encouragement as you go. That's how I got started. And here I am addicted to it. It's what keeps me going in the fitness world. It's what motivates me. I make sure to always have that on the calendar, something to train for. So again, if you're on the fence about it, just sign up for a race. The earlier you sign up, the cheaper it's going to be. Get it on the calendar. Get after it. And hey, if you know if you're in Texas and um, you're like, oh, I don't really want to do one of these on my own, I'm I'm signed up to do Tough Mudder College Station. Um, I'm running the 10K at 9:30, and then I'm running the 5K at noon. And I would love for anyone that wants to come out to that race to sign up for the same wave time. I'd love to have like a battle buddy or be your battle buddy through that race. And same thing on my end too, like that stadium, uh, the stadium that I did at Cowboy Stadium in June, um, like I told you, registration's already open for that. I mean, going to AT&T Stadium is a bucket list thing for a lot of people and to be able to compete at it. And it's a sprint, so it's a great distance. It's the three miles uh, 20 obstacles. Um, if, if, if you're in the Texas, you know, area or you want to come in for it, I'd love to meet you in person too. And, uh, you know, encourage each other. Cause this is a really cool community. So for sure. Awesome. Well, Neil, thanks for being the second or the first two time appearing uh, guest on the show. I appreciate your time as always really impressive what you're able to do out there. And, uh, Oh, and we never went over your statistics. What place did you come in? Let the people know. <laughs> Um, you know, I was pulling that up. So out of the open wave group, which is the non-competitive. So I finished in seven hours, 34 minutes and 10 seconds, uh, 50 kilometers. So I was 11th out of 348 overall and seventh out of 42 males aged 30 to 34. That's incredible stuff, man. especially, you know, considering all the obstacles and hurdles that you had leading up to it. So um, I just wanted to put that out there. This guy's no joke. No joke. Um, Yeah, definitely, man. I love the uh, the friendship we've developed here, man. And I'm looking forward to uh, competing with you in the High Rocks in November. (laughs) <laughs> all right man go beg the wife right now well thanks for watching everybody thanks for joining leave your comments and uh questions below and uh, we'll be keeping an eye on it and um if you want to follow neil all his socials are going to be in the comments as well make sure you follow his tiktok it's awesome and very inspiring thanks have a great day everybody